Welcome to Grad School, the Bruce Gradkowski Podcast. Upping your football knowledge. Class is now in session. What a week. What a week. But honestly, to, to top off the NFL weekend, I have to start with this. That's Drew Brees, 39-year-old quarterback, breaking Peyton Manning's record of 71,940 career passing yards Monday night, moving ahead of both Manning and Brett Favre in the process. Man, unbelievable way to get the record on a 62-yard touchdown pass to rookie Traquan Smith to give the Saints a 26 lead in the second quarter. This is on ESPN.com. He did it in front of a primetime national audience and the home crowd in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. I mean, man, these fans were crying for him. This was just an unbelievable, unbelievable record. It does not surprise me the career this guy has had. I played against him in 2006 when he first got to New Orleans. And when he first got there, he was coming off a dislocation in his right shoulder joint, a tear in the labrum and rotator cuff. And that's when Breeze signed with the Saints as a free agent in 2006. And he immediately had success in New Orleans. And that was the time of Hurricane Katrina. So much stuff going on in New Orleans. And they needed someone to give them hope, to lead them. And he gave that city hope. And he's still there doing it now. He led them to their first ever Super Bowl over the Colts. This guy is what you would call a true professional. Just a really good person. A guy that deserves this record because he's putting in the work. He has put in the work. And everything he accomplishes, he deserves. He's that type of guy that you root for. And to watch him on Monday night break the all-time passing record is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Last week, Bree says, it's crazy. I never, I never would have dreamt it. Brees admitted last week while insisting that this isn't the time to reflect and that he didn't want to try and keep his weekly routine. He wanted to try to keep his weekly routine as normal as possible. It just speaks to to the longevity. And it says a lot about the teams I've been on, the coaches, the teammates, the players. Everyone has a hand in this, and I hope they know that. And honestly, man, that that is Drew Brees. Um... It's unbelievable. Um, it's um, it's really unbelievable, you know, especially that injury he comes off of um, when he was with the Chargers. He was a first pick in the second round to San Diego. And you guys might know the name, Phillip Rivers, when they drafted him. And he sat behind Breeze for a year. And after that year, 
you know, they weren't going to re-sign Breeze, and, and that's when the Saints did, and Sean Payton had the confidence uh, to, to sign Breeze, to bring him to New Orleans, to take the chance on, on him, coming um, off a huge, huge shoulder injury to his throwing shoulder. And it just is, it, it's just amazing to watch. And in 2006, I pr- played against Breeze, my first start as a rookie in Tampa Bay. And, of course, that dude had to crush my dreams and beat me. But I had to start this podcast off with giving Drew Breeze the attention that he deserves, the career that he has had, and for a lot of success in the future. I think Drew Brees is one of the best quarterbacks to ever play this game. He continues to do it at a high level. He exemplifies what it is like to be not only a quarterback, but a leader of a city and a great teammate. And my buddy, my best friend Lance Moore has played with Breeze for nine years in New Orleans. And everything he has talked about him as a professional on and off the field is just awesome. And Drew Breeze, congratulations. I'm sure you will turn on the grad school podcast to hear what I have to say. Uh, so thank you, man. And, and that's just awesome. You know what? I want to start us off with something outside the NFL. Yes. Habib and verse Connor McGregor. Let's listen. What's up, guys? How are you? Uh, first of all, I want to say sorry to Athletic Commission, Nevada. Sorry to Vegas. I know this is not my best side. You know, this is not my best side. You know, I'm human being, and uh, like I know, understand how people can talk about I jump on the cage. You know, what about he talk about my religion? He talk about my country. He talk about my father. He come to Brooklyn and he broke bus. He almost killed couple people. What about this? What about this? Why people talk about I jump over the cage? Why people still talk about this? Like I don't understand. Well, people are actually talking about you jumping out of the ring because you actually jumped out of the ring. That's why people are talking about. But I mean, I don't know who who has seen that fight, the UFC fight. But, man, Habib gave it to Conor McGregor. Basically made the dude, well, he did make the dude tap out. Showed his weakness. You know, for how much crap McGregor talks, you would have thought he would have just went, you know, passed his ass out and just took it like a champ. But, no, he tapped out like a little bitch. He tapped out. But, man, the the aftermath, Habib, for whoever hasn't seen it, please YouTube it. He jumps out of the octagon. He goes after Conor McGregor's jiu-jitsu uh, coach and tries to go after him. Next thing you know, uh, Dylan Davis is Conor McGregor's jiu-jitsu coach. So that's who Habib jumped out of the octagon to go after. Meanwhile, someone jumps in the octagon to go after McGregor. I mean, it was wild. It was wild. You know, people were all pissed off about it. But I'm telling you what, that those ratings for UFC probably just went up because everyone's tuning into the next one. And I don't want to waste much time on that, but I just thought it was unbelievable. I sent out some good videos on Twitter as well. If you guys want to uh, go check them out, Gradkowski 5 
Yeah, so, some crazy stuff, man. Some crazy stuff. But that's why I played the video because we're talking about it because you did it. You jumped out of the ring. You jumped out of the cage. So, yes, we're going to talk about it. But, um, hey, when you talk about your family, your religion, hey, all things, all things are live. You're going to go after them, and, and that's what he did. But jumping to football, man, some unbelievable games, some surprises. You know, the rookies, rookie quarterbacks, all won this weekend. That is awesome. That is great stuff. It's great to see in the NFL these young guys playing. You know, Josh Allen. Josh Allen, what do you think about your start? I care about letters. I care about the Ws. You know, I don't care how ugly the stats look. Um, if we're out on top, that's all I care about. Stats don't matter. Stats don't matter, I agree. But when you only throw for 80-some yards, you might have to throw for a little more yards than that next time. But he's right. Stats don't matter. As long as you could get that W, that's all that matters. And that's what uh, that's what Allen's done a few times. That's what he's done the few time, a few times already this year. Some key wins for them. You know, he beats um, he beats the Vikings. He come back comes back with a huge win uh, this weekend against Tennessee. Who Tennessee was my on NFL radio. I picked him as my surprise team in the first quarter. I mean, very well coached by Vrabel. These guys do it as a team. Not just offensively. They have a good defense, as you see. The score, 13-12. Buffalo pulled it out. But that was a huge win for Buffalo. And, you know, Josh Allen's right, man. It's not about the stats. It's about just finding a way to win. And he did that. You know, the Steelers. I want to take a look at the Steelers game. You know, I thought uh, coming into this game, the Steelers were one of my surprise teams in the first quarter of, you know, a, a disappointment, I should say. One of my disappointment but disappointing teams in the first quarter. You, we would have all thought the Steelers would have been uh, sitting at a better record in, at, than what they were. This win, though, against Atlanta was huge for them in Pittsburgh, and they pulled it out. I thought the defense really showed up, um, and that was uh, that's that's Mike Tomlin and, and uh, Keith Butler dialing those up. And finding a way to stop Matt, Matt Ryan in that high-powered offense because, you know, that dude's hard, hard to stop. And, and honestly, the Steelers did that. The Steelers did a good job against him. And, um, you know, Ben. Ben uh, didn't have his best game, but I think him and A.B. Uh, what do you think about your quarterback, A.B.? All of my touchdowns, all of my catches is from him. The Wi-Fi was lit. Yes, it was lit. You're back. Back in the saddle. Um, you know, Ben 19 and 29, 250 yards, three touchdowns, interception. Um, the interception came in the in the red zone, a play that uh he probably wants to take back. You know, at, at that point in the football game, that situation at the end of the first half. Don't loft it up, especially to A.B. He's not a, a jump ball type receiver, and Ben did that. But, you know, of course he'd like to take that back. James Conner, though, they start off the game trying to run behind James Conner, and I agreed with that method because, you know what, get the offensive line into this ball game early. Try to take the defensive line out 
for the Falcons because that's what their strength are. And they pounded them up front. The Steelers did a great job opening holes for James Conner. 21 carries, 110 yards, and two touchdowns. He also did a little bit in the air with four catches, 75 yards. And that's cool to see. It's good to see what Connor's bringing to bring into the uh, to the Steelers with Le'Veon Bell being out. But I also mentioned this on NFL Radio. In NFL Radio, I've been on uh, every Thursday, 11 to 3, co-hosting with Bruce Murray, my man, man, Bruce, the Bruce Bruce Show. So tune in. But I said it on NFL Radio. I, I really feel like the Steelers have to do this with backs by committee. Backs by committee. That's how they have to win. You can't expect James Conner to come in and do exactly what Le'Veon Bell did or put everything on his plate like you would for Le'Veon Bell. Conner's not that type of player. Now, Conner can be a workhorse. You can hand it off to him 20-some times a game, but you can't expect him to just do everything right now. And Look, this game he did, though. 21 carries, 110 yards, and also four catches, 75 yards. You know, that that's a game Le'Veon Bell would have in the passing game and run the ball. But, you know, you also, I think, get, get Stephen Ridley in there a little bit and um, get him some carries and uh, and switch it up. You know, Antonio Brown, he's back, six, six catches, 101 yards, two touchdowns. Juju Smith continues to bring it. I don't know about that end zone celebration. What do you guys think? That was uh, that was pretty crazy, you know? Hey, but I've been there three times. Three babies, three kids, a girl, two boys. No better feeling in the world. I don't think Juju just had a baby, but um, I don't know if I agree with you, Juju, on that one. We, we got to get better as a National Football League. Man, these penalties are costing people games and jobs. Uh, we we got to get them correct. Tomlin's got a point. Tomlin's got a point. There has been numerous games this year that have been decided by the refs. Numerous games. You know, when you talk about the Eagles this week, at the end of the half, uh, they get a roughing the passer on Cousins. It keeps the drive alive. Next thing you know, Cousins is throwing a touchdown pass to Adam Thielen to end the half. I mean, that's seven points. Seven points right there. Minnesota shouldn't have had without a BS-type roughing the passer. Now, um, Cousins got hit initially at the waist, and then he, I think it was Fletcher Cox that did, hit him at the waist, and he he fell down to his legs. You know, that's just a call you, you just can't make because they're making calls that are changing the outcomes of some of these football games. So, you know, that happens way too many times, and I've been a big... Um, you know, that when it comes to officiating, that's what I feel. Don't make the call that is going to truly tra- change the outcome of the game. And that's what they did. And the, and the officials did there, and they've been doing it all year. I mean, I think the Steelers have felt it a little bit throughout the season, even more so the Cleveland Browns. I feel for you, Cleveland. Cleveland should have won a few games this year, especially last week against the Raiders with some – you know, sketchy calls. That fourth down, you know, when they reversed the the call and, and Cleveland had to punt, gave Derek Carr and the Raiders a chance to come down and tie it up, send it into overtime. You know, and also um, the sack fumble that Derek Carr had that they blew the whistle and said he was down. You know, those are, those are the things that are happening around the league that, you know, is costing guys um, – 
their jobs. It's costing guys jobs, and it it will cost guys jobs because at the end of the year, there's a few games that you've lost that you probably should have won based on a, some of the, a, a couple of those calls. Um, you know, and Tomlin for Tomlin to speak out because Tomlin is a member of the NFL competition committee. You know, so I know Troy Vincent has already reached out to him. Um, he's been in touch with Tomlin regarding his comments. And they're being reviewed for a possible fine. Now, also, and this is from NFL.com, but this is, um, you know, they, they, they tend to have some leeway when it comes after the game because emotions are involved. But Sean Payton, another guy that is a member of the committee, uh, he voiced his opinion. And talk about a need for, for these officials to come together and have some, and have some uh, uniformity, you know, to come together when it comes to the roughing the passer calls. We need to be together on this as an officiating crew. And then we heard Mike Zimmer, the Vikings head coach at the beginning of the year, he voiced his concerns during the preseason about the emphasis on initiating contact with the helmet, you know, a rule that Zimmer said would cost some people some jobs or a chance at the postseason. And some of these calls, that's exactly what they're doing. That's exactly what they're doing right now. They're they're um, they're costing teams jobs. And it was Michael Bennett when he put the hit on Cousins this weekend. He hit him at the waist and fell down to his legs. Well, how are you supposed to tackle the guy? I mean, you have to wrap his legs up and get him to fall to the ground. And that's called next. You know, Vikings go down and score. So that's one that. I tend to not agree with some of those calls. I mean, being a quarterback, I love how they're protecting the quarterback, but I also um, I also don't agree with some of these calls because they're game changers. That's why. I mean, that that's that's what it comes down to is they're changing outcomes of these games. You know, this Eagles game was unbelievable. I think Carson Wentz, Wentz is just fun to watch. 24-35, 311 yards, two touchdowns. He's just fun to watch. Zach Ertz, the, the touchdown pass he threw to him in the back of the end zone at the end, late in the game, 10 receptions, 110 yards, and a touchdown. Those guys are just fun to watch. Wentz is such a competitor. His athleticism, he's got a great release, sound, solid, quick delivery, very accurate. Um, he threw a beautiful strike to Alshon Jeffries down the middle, third and super long, that uh, Jeffries should have caught. And he dropped it, and, you know, then, you know, that, that was a big chance for them to um, really uh, take the lead in this game. And uh, Kirk Cousins on the other side, though. Kirk Cousins, man, 30-37, 301 yards and a touchdown. And, and Adam Thielen. I mean, Adam Thielen has been impressive, but Kirk Cousins, man, he came out of the gate slinging that thing. And if you watch this game – he stood in the pocket and took multiple hits right to the chin, right to the chest, right as he was getting ready to deliver the football. Sometimes he was just getting his back, you know, his play action passing, so his back is to the defense. The minute he, the minute he turned around, he had someone right in his face, and he, got, and he still got the ball out, and he still was completing these passes. And that is hard to do because a lot of times you're not even, you don't even have much time to see your, to see your receiver let alone throw good accurate football and cousins cousins did that a few times a few times and it was very impressive 
uh, to watch. Cousins has been been, blank, been playing uh, very well and sound. Um, Adam Thielen, first player in the Super Bowl era to start season with five straight 100-plus receiving yards, receiving yard games. Uh, you know, he had seven for 116 in the touchdown. And, um, you know, but that was um, – it was a good game. It was a good game. I mean, two good teams. Man, we can't talk about enough, though, these freaking kickers. Are you kidding me? Dan Bailey, the Vikings kicker, three of five, missed a 28 and a 45. I mean, it's just unbelievable. These kickers, they have one job to do. Look, maybe I get so pissed because in, in high school – a kicker costs us to go to the next round of the playoffs. So yes, I'm a little emotional about it. I'm a little emotional. It wasn't wasn't the NFL, but hey, it still was. Um, it still was a football game, man. And you guys know how high school football was. And a lot of you out there listening, I know you were high school ballers. You know, so you feel me. You feel me. If you missed a kick and he was a soccer player, he didn't even play football. We had him on the team because he was a soccer player. So. Unbelievable. But, you know, I want to move on. I want to move on. Browns, Ravens. Look, you Browns fans out there, you guys got something special over there. This Mayfield kid is a player. He's a competitor. He gives you a chance. You already see it. You're in football games week in and week out because the guy's a competitor. And he takes it to the next next level as far as third down and 12s. You saw the huge conversion late in overtime for him to make a play to keep the drive alive. I mean, those are the type of plays Baker Mayfield does. And I thought what uh, Todd Haley's doing awesome in Cleveland is moving Landry around. I think um, he's disguising him. He's having him in the backfield. He's having him in as out at wide receiver in the slot. He kind of continues to move him around, just finding ways to get him the ball. And multiple times, those were the huge conver- huge plays that um, Mayfield was hitting Jarvis Landry just coming straight out of the backfield. And, yeah, he only had five catches for 69 yards. But now this dude, it's still uh, – um, it's still uh, – um, what was I going to say? I mean, Landry's uh, breaking records over there as well. But I'm saying just the, the disguise. I mean, that's what the Steelers need to continue to try to do uh, with Antonio Brown. You know, you've got to continue to move the guy around. Um, you just have to um, find ways because he's getting double team. Guys are um, put multiple guys on him, whether it's a double team from the safety in the corner and linebacker buzzing out to him. So different ways you you have to try to stop their 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 key uh, playmakers. But I just thought Mayfield in this game. I mean, look, he has to do a better job when they call screens. He's taking multiple sacks on screens in. As a quarterback being coached uh, throughout the NFL, even in college, the number one key, you can't take sacks in a two-minute drill or when you're throwing a screen. If you're going to take a sack throwing a screen, just throw it to the running back's feet or just to get the ball to your hands to the receiver's feet. But you have to understand those linemen aren't holding up long. And the one uh, sack Mayfield took, it was going to be a running back screen to the left. They actually had a very good look um, when the screen was called because Weddle was blitzing on the left side and Mayfield glanced to the right, which you're supposed to do, just glance but get back real quick and throw the screen. 
he held it to the right too long. So by the time he turned left, boom, Weddle hit him right upside his head and sacked him. But that's an unbelievable call at that time because if you throw a screen into the blitz, that's when you can really gash him. And it was like perfect timing when they actually uh, when that, when they actually called that screen. But I mean, I think just with Mayfield seeing his poise, awesome precision pre- precision drive at the end of the half. And he finished it with a TD strike uh, to Richard Higgins down the middle. And then, of course, Greg Joseph missed the extra point uh, to go up 6-3. And that's unbelievable, these these kickers. It just blows my mind. Um, But, um, you you know, and then Flacco turns around, puts another good drive together right before the end of the half. Uh, But unbelievable job by the Cleveland Browns blocking the field goal. Not, not to let them tie it up there. And it's just, you know, th- this Browns football team is a good overall football team. I'm, I mean, they're doing it uh, defensively, offensively, and special teams. And, you know, and, and that's what's good to see because you don't want to just keep winning games just by your offense or just by the defense. And they're kind of putting it together. So if they put it all together at once, it's going to be a dangerous team because look at look at their, their season so far. Some of these games they were part of, and um, they should have won. You know, we just talked about the Raiders, um, the the Raiders game that they should have won, and then you know this game they pull out, and then their games early on in the season. I mean, the Steelers they miss field goals, um, in the against the Saints they miss field goals. So it's unbelievable. This team actually could be sitting. Um, I mean, it's hard to say, but possibly 5-0. and it's, it's insane. But you are what you are. The Browns are 2-2-1 right now. Um, not sitting bad in the division. You know, the Bengals are lighting them up. And, um, I mean, Marvin Lewis, what do you think about that game? How would you guys do that? That was exactly the way we drew it up. <laughs> Just how you drew it up, huh? Just how you drew it up. Two defensive scores in the last quarter. My man, Michael Johnson, I play with Michael Johnson, getting a, a pick six. You know, it might not even, I think they rolled it as a fumble. But what an unbelievable play. That Bengals team, I mean, we had Andy Dalton on NFL radio this week. I think Andy has been uh, has been playing well this season. He's got the Bengals rolling. But the Bengals defense, that defensive line, they came to play. They put some pressure on Tannehill. Tannehill was throwing some balls, though. I mean, he was kind of, you know, he threw one off a helmet that bounced back to Michael Johnson. You know, that's what happened there. And then later on in the game, you have Carlos Dunlap coming around the corner, sacking Tannehill from behind, uh, you know, strip fumble, and they take it to the house. So this Bengals, I, I, I was on the Bengals when that stuff would happen. We'd be sitting there, it'd be a, uh, tight tight ball game and um you know it's a tight ball game you're still in it and you're just thinking how how are you going to actually come back like offensively score but we got to score a couple more times boom next you know Carlos Dun- Dunlap makes an unbelievable play so those guys up front with Geno Atkins Carlos Dun- Dunlap Michael Johnson um unbelievable plays at the end of the game, Sam Hubbard was the one that scooped 
the sack fumble from Michael Johnson, uh, or sorry, from Carlos Dunlap. Sam Hubbard scooped it and took it to the house. Took it to the house. And, um, but the unbelievable game. Tannehill was 20 to 35, 185 yards, touchdown, two picks. Gore, our man Frank Gore, still, still trucking along, 12 carries, 63 yards. Andy Dalton, solid day, 20-30, touchdown, INT. Joe Mixon with a huge score. But I think one thing that stood out to me is uh, some of the plays uh, Dalton was making. You know, Dalton's making those type of plays that we see from um, the good quarterbacks and like an Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger. When it's a huge third down, you need to convert. Uh, when it's just a huge play that needs to be made, you know, these Bengals are finding ways to win. Last week against Atlanta, finding a way to throw A.J. Green a touchdown with six seconds remaining in the game to go on and beat uh, Matt Ryan and Atlanta Falcons. So he's finding ways to win. In this game, he did the same thing. I mean, you know, he had in the fourth quarter a guy draped all over him, and he kind of just still threw the ball up to Joe Mixon, uh, that was just an, an unbelievable throw. So, you know, continuing to make plays out there. I think this Bengals football team um, with the defense, you know, they have the pieces uh, to continue to be good because, you know, it was a tight ball game. And then all of a sudden they beat them 27-17. Well, so, was, you know, 24 points in the fourth quarter, but 14 of them were defensive scores. I mean, that's unbelievable. It's unbelievable to get that kind of production from your defense. and um, But, hey, Marvin Lewis loves it. That's how he drew it up. That's how he drew it up. That was exactly the way we drew it up. <laughs> now I want to look at the, the Chiefs-Jaguars. This game was hyped up coming into it. I could not wait to see this game. I really thought that the Jaguars – we're possibly going to pull this out. A lot of trash talking going on before the game. Um, and, you know, Jalen Ramsey's always going to say something. Couldn't wait to fa- face Tyreek Hill. But this game this game got, got out of hand pretty fast. You know, it was a rainy game. I think Mahomes started off where he left off. The guy has been making plays. It's unbelievable to see. 14 touchdowns and two interceptions on the year. But he also did throw his first two picks this year. And, and honestly, I bet you Andy Reid's happy. It's like, you know, you, you want to get it out of your system. You're not going to go a whole season without throwing an interception. So get it out of the way. And that's what, you know, Mahomes did. But he still plays solo. I mean, opens a game up, uh, diving in the end zone. You know, which was cool, but Bortles, man, Bortles, ah, uh, man, you got a great team around you, and it's ten nothing second quarter on the Chiefs side of the fifty yard line, sack fumble, and then it's thirteen nothing. He throws a pick six on a screen. That was a very good play. Uh, defensive tackle dropped off, read the screen, great pick six, twenty to nothing in the second quarter, sixteen seconds left, ball on the three yard line. About to score and um, throws a pick, you know, and, and that just that kind of stuff um, you you have to eliminate. Bortles finished 430 yards passing through the air. Now you see those numbers, and I mean that's a lot of yards. 
but also versus not a very good defense that they made look very good in this game. Uh, but also they were down basically the whole game, so you kind of have to throw it to come back. And um, But I was surprised. You know, Jaguars, five turnovers, five sacks. Maybe Doug Marone shouldn't have started off the season saying he did, he wanted Blake Borders to throw no interceptions because, look, you can't play like that as a quarterback, and that's why actually it's good that Mahomes started off or finally threw two interceptions, man. Just get out of your system because you're you're bound to throw them. So if you could throw them in a 30-14 to 14 win, throw them, get them out of the way. Now throw 14 more touchdowns to no interceptions, and we'll be loving you. Kareem Hunt, Toledo guy, 22 carries, 87 yards, touchdown. He continues to, to have this stats. Mahomes finished 313 yards, two picks, but a rushing touchdown, you know, and that sounds light for Mahomes' stats, the way he's been playing. Uh, but I think the guy, I mean, Andy Reid and these Chiefs, he's got them rolling. Now, now remember, the Chiefs started off uh, the same record this time last year with Alex Smith. So it's going to be interesting now to see um, see how this see how this plays out uh, the rest of the rest of the year because everyone's going to be eyeing that. Look. Everyone wants to hop on the bandwagon, but they also want to see guys fail. And they're waiting for Patrick Mahomes to fail and say, I told you so. I told you he's not the greatest. So these Chiefs, there's going to be a big bullseye on them throughout this year. Some huge games uh, coming up ahead for them, which is going to be um, exciting to watch. And I can't wait because, I mean, even, even this week coming up, it's going to be sweet with the Patriots and the Chiefs. I mean, that that one is a matchup we're all going to be um, excited to see. I think Tom Brady's already starting off, you know, getting ready for that matchup. He understands that, um, you know, he, he, he cannot, um, you know, turnovers. You know, he said those turnovers, whether it's an interception, fumble, snap, I think that's been something that we have to correct, Brady said. If you look back at the first five games, we're giving away too many scoring opportunities. That is limiting our points. I thought the other night we should have put 52 points out there, at least, maybe more. When we play a team like Kansas City, we have to take advantage of every scoring opportunity because we know they are. Now, the Patriots... Patriots have only had 14 turnovers in the regular season and postseason last year, but they're already up to nine turnovers this season. And I'm sure that's what they're going to be work, working on this week and focused on. And that's from profootballtalk.com. And uh, that's my guy. I love uh, getting my info from there. You know, in an, an, another unbelievable game is Carolina. Finishing off that game, Ron Rivera, 63-yard field goal. How do you feel? He's okay. I'll tell you what, quick story now, okay? Uh, quick story. I was a rookie um, my, fresh, or my freshman year, yeah, my freshman year. My rookie year in Tampa Bay, and Matt Bryant, who's the kicker for the Atlanta Falcons, he is still playing. Um, he was our kicker in Tampa Bay. We're playing the Philadelphia Eagles. In that game, Rondé Barber picked off Donovan McNabb twice. Two pick sixes. 
I'm talking about he picks off a comeback and takes it to the house. Then later on, it's man-to-man. He's playing man-to-man in the slot. There's two receivers to the right side of the field. Rondé Barber is inside playing man-to-man on that inside slot receiver. There's one high single safety. As a quarterback, you know if you have two slants called, that's what the Eagles call, just double slants. If you have two slants called, that Rondé Barber is in man-to-man. He has to stay with that inside um, inside field, inside slant. There's no way he could fall off. Well, what's Rondé Barber do? Rondé Barber comes off that slant and picks the outside slant. It was insane. So, anyways, two pick sixes for Rondé Barber. So, later later on in the game, the game's, uh, I think, tied or we're, we're, I think we're losing uh, by a few. Yes, I, I can't remember exactly. But uh, we get the ball uh, right at the 50-yard line. And... Um, we're going to kick a 62-yard field goal. And I come off the sideline, and I look at Tim Rattay, another backup quarterback. I said, man, is this, like, even realistic? He's like, no, there's no chance. And my man, Matt Bryant, boots it right through the upright, 62-yard field goal. It was unbelievable. So, Ron Rivera, congratulations to your Carolina Panthers on a 63-yard field goal. Good for you. Good for you. I can't wait. I can't wait to continue watching this football. So many good games out there. So much stuff. Coach Vance, Joseph, how's your Denver Broncos doing? It starts with me, and we have to coach and play better. Coaches coach and players play. You're right. You're right. Coaches got to coach. Players got to play. Absolutely right. And, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. Because, look, the Steelers have to, you know, a while back you say, you know, they have to tackle better. Uh, I'm trying to think of the team that was just tackling terrible um, this weekend. But anyways, coaches can't tackle, okay? So coaches can put you in the position to make the tackles and be in the right spots, but they can't tackle for you. So Vance Joseph, you are right. Now he's got to make some big decisions. And, um, you know, Case Keenum threw for a lot of yards this week. But goodness gracious, man, when you give up that that many rushing yards to the Jets – I'm telling you what, the Jets just went off. 323 rushing yards in a 34-16 loss. Um, you know, and when uh, Vance Joseph was on Sirius XM this week, um, you can't. he said, you can't justify moving forward without making changes to the way the team is going about its business. And um, this is from ProFootballTalk.com. Joseph didn't specify any of those changes during the radio appearance and said via uh, Nick of The Athletic um, during his Monday press conference that they're still deciding which way to go. Everything is being considered right now, Joseph said. It's all being considered. We're still watching the tape and figuring out the best course of action, but it's all being considered. You know, you hate that as a player. And right now, honestly, the coaches have to be feeling it in Denver, because that is just 323 rushing yards in a game is just uncalled for. And the Jets, I mean, I think uh, Sam Darnold had a solid outing, three touchdowns. He was playing well. It was good to see. Um, But, 
you know, Broncos two and three now. They started off strong. Jets two and three. And I just think, you know, Sam Darnold um, finished off the game 10 of 20, 298 yards, three touchdowns, interception. It was tipped. Uh, Isaiah Crowell, 15 carries, 219 yards, and a touchdown. Dude ran all over him. And uh, Powell, 20 carries, 99 yards. And Robbie Anderson, three receptions, 123 yards, and two touchdowns. You know, Darnold was throwing some bombs. So not only were they not able to stop the run at all, but they gave up big plays in the running game and passing game. Darnold got them a few times. It was a tight split. The receiver was in a tight split go route. Kind of gave him a little shoulder to the outside, but it was basically a tight split uh, go route. But, you know, over there in Denver, man, Joe Woods, defense coordinator, I'd be a little nervous of what uh, Vance Joseph has said. But, look, it's been fun. It's been real. There's some great games, and it continues because in the NFL, it's week in and week out. It's anyone's Honestly, you just got to show up and play. Look, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I don't agree with it, but the dude's already out because um, Jameis Winston filled in. You know, it's just like that, man. You know, NFL, not for long. And this week we have some big matchups, especially the Steelers and the Bengals. That's going to be a showdown. And you know what? And I think the Steelers have their number, and it's at Cincinnati. The Bengals have been rolling. The Steelers got a good win against Atlanta, a good football team. I think Pittsburgh's defense uh, played tough and, and really had a solid game. And I, I tip my hat to them because I think the game plan was great. They put pressure on Matt Ryan. They really played well. And that's the Steelers' defense that needs to continue to come to play. Look, I, I think they've been playing well the last few weeks. I mean – even the week before, they give uh, the offense opportunities against the Ravens when they're o- the Ravens were only up three points in the third quarter. And I think there was three or four consecutive third downs uh, that the Steelers could not convert. You know, it's a third and three, third and four, third and 12. And it was just off miscues here and there. You know, whether it was a misthrow, uh, uh, miscommunication here or there, you know, by uh, certain routes. So the Steelers' defense, I feel like, has been picking it up. And offensively, you have to take the reins. When you have an opportunity to uh, cash in and make plays, you have to. So my evaluation of the Steelers last week was they just had to execute. They just had to execute. And this week, they did that. Now, they still have to continue to get better, continue to clean up. But look, it's still early on in the season. They're going into Cincinnati, huge division game. And this could really turn it all around. And I think the Steelers will end up pulling this one out. I really do because they have their number. They'll get after Dalton a little bit. They'll have a good game plan, and Big Ben plays well in Cincinnati. Uh, Miami of Ohio guy, he's going to feel like he's back in the college days just slinging that B around and having fun with it. But there's going to be some good games, man. Um, the Raider, or the Chiefs and the Patriots Sunday night, that's going to be exciting. That's going to be an awesome game to watch. But for all you guys tuning in, listening in, I always appreciate it. Follow me on Twitter, bgradkowski5, and Instagram, bgrad05. And I'm calling the Utah State UNLV game this weekend. I'll be on NFL Radio Thursday, uh, 11 to 3. And I'll be on 
the fan, 93.7, the fan in Pittsburgh from 3 to 4 on Wednesdays. And Wednesdays and Thursdays are pretty consistent gigs. So tune in. Appreciate you guys. Have a good week.